welcome to the Cast of Caught, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the bad influence in my life that I will never give up. It's the one and only DJ. How do you like those real estate tips? I got, got them coming left and right. Let's, <laughs> let's do this. I'll get you in yeah. a house tomorrow. Yeah, it's been a real roller coaster of a pre-show chit-chat. Like, I've literally cried. <laughs> <laughs> and you've also given me some, like, light at the end of the tunnel hope about life, politics, and housing. <laughs> you just start on the downswing and end on the upswing. That's what yes. I say. Like, See, this is this is why everyone loves you, Deej. You know how to like keep them want. You like give the serotonin and then like leave them wanting. More. <laughs> <laughs> how have you been? I feel like we haven't talked forever, even though I know that's not true. Uh, you know, uh, life around here in the Pacific Northwest has been pretty good up until like the last two days when we finally got some temperatures, and I. Can't complain because while everybody else was experiencing 100, we were hitting like 65 and slightly rainy. And our worst day today is, oh, geez, it's 93 outside. So That's I mean, kind of hideous, though. Let's be it, honest. Yeah, uh, the air conditioner is running in the house and uh, it hit 40% humidity. So even though it's <laughs> 70, it still feels that like slightly... Um, Slightly less cool than it would normally feel, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, well. What are you going to do? All right. Let's talk about our plan for this episode. We're going to kick the show off with an in-depth conversation about Wolves of the Kala, Part 2, Telling Tales, Chapter Trace, uh, The Priest's Tale, New York, Sections 1 through 9. This is such a weird... I know this is going to sound really weird, especially when we get into what we're reading next time, but there's half the chapter is Sections 1 through 9, and the other half is Sections 10 and 11. But I swear to God that in terms of time and pages, it is the halfway mark. You're kind of getting that Harry Potter syndrome where, like, the first book's skinny and then, like, it just gets fatter and fatter and fatter. Oh, yes. (laughs) Wait till we get to the next. Or no. This just been its own chapter? Like, what are you doing, man? Stop that. Yep. And then we're going to close out the show with the return of listener questions. That's right. I asked and you listeners answered. Uh, the response was overwhelming to bring back the listener question. So we are going to do it. Yay, democracy. It's happening. So, <laughs> All right. But before we get into all that goodness, DJ, can you please remind our listeners and let our new listeners know what our spoiler policy is here on this podcast? Uh, you know, like uh, um, like a kid's throat dripping on the ground. <laughs> we, will, we will let you know when the splash of vampire blood comes for you to introduce <laughs> the, You'll know the spoiler it smells zone. like onions. The spoiler zone smells like onions, apparently. Yeah, there wasn't anything real funny in this one to draw on <laughs> to like, you know, like a wallet being stolen from your pocket while you're sleeping on a park bench with newspapers. <laughs> yeah, this one's a little bit of a grim joint. Uh, but we'll get into it. We'll get into it. All right. So where did we last leave off with our adventuring content? So if you remember last time, folks, we had uh, basically a bit of the Suzanne reveal. And uh, we, you know, everybody kind of knows now what's going on. Minus Jake, of course. He's We haven't seen Jake and in a while. And Susanna. Oh, yeah. And Susanna. I mean. <laughs> so Eddie knows now. That's what you're yeah, saying. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair. You're right. <laughs> Actually, so Eddie's the only one who actually got it. Okay. That's right. There. And, uh, and they're hanging out at Callahan's place, and he's just about to finally get to the story that will let them in to go see number 13. 
And uh, mm-hmm. boy, is this going to be a long one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been so many years since I've read Salem's Lot. It was, I think I would be frustrated if I picked, if I got to this chapter I, if and I had read it more recently, but it was kind of fun to revisit it. I, I needed the refresher, to be honest, because I read that a million years ago. Yeah, I feel like um, I probably should have read that book. And now the synopsis was like trying to feed me that whole book in like a short, mm-hmm. short story, which mm-hmm. is a lot to try and take away from this and also still understand like what's going on in his background. So that, that's my bad. If I'm missing insight on uh, Father Callahan, that's that's where it's coming from. It'll be all right. We'll get through this together. Teamwork makes the dream work. All right, let's get into this <laughs> chapter. Tell me about what happened in this chapter. So you almost close your eyes and picture Father Callahan throwing like a handful of powder on the fire and and whispering, I submit a tale for the Midnight Society. (laughs) (laughs) One of my all time favorite Twitter threads is the Midnight Society where it's like they're making like an imaginary version of like all these horror authors in the Midnight Society. And there's just like. Stephen King coming in, he's like, imagine there's a creepy writer living in New England. And, <laughs> and then, like, H.P. Lovecraft shows up and says something horrible and racist. And then Dean Koontz comes in and says something stupid. It's really funny. I got to find this. Listeners, I will put this. I will find this Twitter thread and I will put it in on the Facebook and I will send it to you, DJ, because it's hilarious. That's one where, like, the description wins, but then, like, the execution is what really matters. Oh, and this thing is well executed. It's hilarious. I feel like now I kind of want to build an AI that just auto-populates Midnight Society story names. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Okay, but go ahead. Continue. Uh, so he sits down to tell him and like we kind of like close your eyes, imagine the diddlywink sound playing and then like Father Callahan is teaching at a place and like he uh, just gave a great sermon and then he 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 popped off to have a drink before the sermon and then popped some lifesavers and then he went to talk to his boss to let him know, hey boss, um, you know, uh, I just don't think the faith is strong with me here. I wouldn't call these people my flock. I just kind of call them my my people. Um, my and uh, I don't know if I'm not connecting with my parishioners and so on. Like, and it's time to move on. Um, we get kind of this like pink elephant, and then he moves on. And like every time he's there for five years, four years, three years, whatever, and then like he moves on to a new church and he moves on to a new church. And there's a, a moment where like he kind of as he's telling this internal story and external story at the same time. He has a little uh, quote that's like, um, you know, God's voice is, is like a sparrow in a thunderstorm and the booze is the thunderstorm. Right. Right. I mean, like the whole point is, is that like, you know, God in his belief system uh, speaks quietly and like you can't hear it if you're boozing it up. You're of course, you're not going to hear the the inspiration that you need. Yeah. Um, so really like what we find out is like not unlike um, a lot of uh, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because I don't know <laughs> if all Catholic uh, Irish priests are, uh, you know, heavy drinkers. But like he paints himself as that and like is like, of course, I'm He's Irish. embracing and, a stereotype. That yeah. I don't, yes. Yes. I don't want to blimey stone this, but like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Blarney stone. <laughs> Blarney stone. <laughs> blimey stone. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to blimey this. 
Um, so yeah, uh, and eventually he ends up in Salem's lot. And so um, when he gets there, like he meets some people, they basically believe that there's possibly a vampire in town. And uh, then we get this kind of unfolding of him meeting the vampire and of them, the vampire saying that he's like losing his faith. And then there's sort of a connection between a vampire and like alcoholism and that they both like suck the life from you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he kind of relates the vampires is sort of recognizing you know, one uh, uh, self-owning self with the, like, <laughs> with that guy, you know, being addicted to alcohol and, like, him having that on his chest and is carrying that weight and, and basically meaning that it's diminished his face to the point where, like, does he have faith anymore? And we find out that, like, there's a stalemate between these two when they finally catch him and pin him down. Well, let's pause for just a second. Oh, because I'm going way too fast. Yeah, no, it's okay. And I'm fine, you know, like I said before this, I think this is going to be a shorter show because there's very, there's less subtext in this than in typical chapters. Mm -hmm. But there are a couple of things I want to point out to. First of all, when we meet, we enter into this backstory with, with Father Callahan. He's having this very reflective um, conversation about who he was and what his crisis of faith was really about and how it really linked to his alcoholism and the way that it changed the way he thought at that time, the way that, you know, for one thing, he's not sleeping, right? And that will affect your sleep. But also there's like this level of deniability that happens in your mind when you're drinking to where you could be, He, I think he says, you know, you're throwing up in the morning and having a crisis of faith in the in the afternoon and not seeing the intersection of those two things. And to me, I kind of felt like, we know, Stephen King's background, that this almost feels biographical to some degree. Like, I think he is writing from personal experience this ability to kind of have cognitive dissonance around your own addiction that I think he does a really good job of of describing in this opening section and with Father Callahan's crisis of faith. And his ability to look everywhere, everywhere, except for internally at the one thing that is like at the kernel of his of his issues. Right. Which is this alcoholism. Uh, And that to me, because we're as we get further into this, I I think there's a lot of allegories to Stephen King himself in some of the characters in this. And I think we're starting to see how Father Callahan is a reflection of the author in this opening. Yeah. And I. Oh, go ahead. No, you please, please. Oh, okay. And I also need to back up and and point out that like while he's explaining the story, he stops and he's like, he explains that the vampire there is the type of vampire that can make other vampires. Mm -hmm. And this is a moment where like the gang is like, wait, what? I thought, you know, I thought that was normal. And then like we get an understanding of the fact that like actually no, uh, there's really powerful vampires that can make like tier two vampires mm-hmm. and really wreck stuff, but they only come out every once in a while and there's very few of them. And, and yeah. then there's like a kind of a ghoul tier of vampires. And so it's like mm-hmm. a, kind of an interesting vampire hierarchy that uh, exists in this particular version of vampire life. Yeah. I mean, there is a ton of vampire world building in this section. And I don't remember enough of this book to know if it goes beyond his backstory, if it, it matters 
throughout the yeah, rest yeah, of the yeah. books, but we definitely get some world building around vampirism. That's one I wanted to ask you about, but it probably is like, um, you know, if you don't remember, then it doesn't help. But yeah, I, don't. I was like, Sorry. you know, <laughs> how much of this is uh, really revealed in the the original Salem's Lot, or is it is is this like? new are we getting like new information hmm. coming to light man or is this just like regular stuff i don't it's been so long since i read the book that i don't remember specifically but i do know and this this is totally unreliable information because you know it's a homage more so than a direct adaptation but there was the second season of that series on um hulu Oh God! What was it called? We watched so like Castle Rock or something yes, like that. Castle Rock. That is the second season is partially like it's a, a Salem's Lot story. It's also a misery story, but there is a vampire that is making kind of like second tier vampires. So it could be something that existed in Salem Lot. It could also be taken from this. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I guess probably some of my homework should be revisiting Salem's Lot. I haven't read it since I was a kid. I, it was one of the earliest Stephen King novels I ever read, which is actually I kind of wanted to talk about that. Uh, this is so Salem's Lot is King's second book. He wrote is Harry, it? okay, yeah, and then he wrote and then he wrote Salem's Lot, and I think it's interesting that we're kind of circling back to this because this whole chapter is about, or I mean, this book is largely becoming more and more about two things, which is storytelling and coincidence, and. If you think about it, Harry was like about a girl who has these powers and, you know, kind of goes off on this revenge tale. This one, he goes to this new town in New England and he there's a overwhelming dark force in a small back town and a small group of people brought together by fate, a.k.a. a quartet, even though it's not called a quartet, come together to fight this evil. Like this, in terms of the Stephen King formula, is the very first time in his writing we see what would come to become these, this quartet style like kind of narrative that we're getting with this so it's and then the other thing is is on top of it there's like these layers of coincidences like when we find out characters names like the woman's name is susan um susan norton norton was a character you know if you think about nort norton there's all of these layers right the boy is about the same age as jake there's coincidences that come out throughout this backstory that we're getting um and i just think it's interesting because like i said thematically coincidence is playing such a major role in the in this book yeah definitely um it- the the vampire stuff's interesting. I might have to go back to that. I'm just not. I've never really been a vampire guy. I'm like, not super into vampires either. I always thought it was kind of like it's. It, it, it started maybe because of the Tom Cruise vampire stuff, at, like <laughs> interview with a vampire. Yeah, and like uh-huh. that was like all pretty boy vampire stuff, and then like mm-hmm. later on you got sparkly vampires, and then uh-huh. they became this like sexual subgenre thing and i was just like no this is not me i don't have anything in this game i don't (laughs) i don't really want to get involved i mean there's like a handful of interesting vampire movies but for the most part they're not necessarily i've been meaning to go back to that necroscope series of books because i keep having them recommended to me but i don't ever pull the The first so i sort of like I did finish the first one, and the first one is good right up until they finish it, and then you're just just like, come on, man. And then, like, it's prefaced on this thing that I can't tell you without ruining it, but, like, it 
that preface like kind of demeans the like rest no! of the quality of what was going on before and like changes up who you're gonna follow around from then on and you're oh, like, no! yeah i know i've been on a run lately where i've not ha- i've had not great luck with books where they're interesting and then the end i'm just kind of like okay <laughs> like i guess that's the end all right <laughs> i don't know i need i need Listeners, this is my question to you. This is not the listener question, but this is my question to you. Please feel free to also answer this in the Facebook group or in in our email. I need some good book recommendations. Dang it. Do you want long or short? Don't care. I I listen to audiobooks all like audiobooks and pocket. I cannot DJ. I cannot be left alone with my own thoughts. It's a dangerous place. My mind is a dark and it is the remember the wasteland like Mm -hmm. when they're on the that's my brain. So I have to constantly be putting like distracting input into it. So I'm always listening to podcasts or audiobooks. So long is fine. Cool. So yes, li- uh, listeners out there, I need a good book. I need a book. Let me know. All right. Sorry. Back to uh, back to the book we're talking okay, about today. So besides <laughs> not being into vampires, except for Ultraviolet, which is a great vampire uh, plot that breaks the mold. Um, <laughs> so uh, we talked about the vampire structure. We talked about... Um, him explaining to the guys that uh, you know this is like a the type that can make more vampires, which is an interesting Stephen King sort of thing going on there. Um, there's also this kind of moment where um, we we hear the story from the beginning, which is that when they get to the town, this girl gets um, like taken, and they don't know what happens to her. Um, and then there's a plot where she's you know maybe related to or in love with one of the people that suspects him of being a vampire and they find her. She feels dead. She seems dead. They stab her and she comes to life. And like, that's his first experience, like killing a vampire. And then that sort of like inspires the group's confidence. They go after Barlow, which is like the big, you know, hundreds of years old vampire that's taken over this town. There, there becomes this like, um, this stalemate standoff where he's got this kid that he's going to rip his throat out and Callahan has his, his cross and, you know, his other uh, religious symbols with him and he's got it aimed and he can feel the power of the cross in his hand. And <coughs> the battle goes basically that the vampire is like, you know, I could kill him before you could do anything and you could do that, but I would kill him first. So like, what are we going to do? And like, you drop your religious stuff and uh, I'll, uh, I'll drop the kid. And, you know, the vampire, as soon as he gets him to consider that, wins because that puts a little seed of doubt in his brain. And as soon as that happens, starts to realize that, like, his cross that he's carrying is only imbued with power when he has faith in it. And if it doesn't, then it's just a dime store, cheap knockoff church item that, like, his mom probably got him at the corner store. And... This, like, becomes this almost, like, tragic church failure where, uh, you know, the vampire is like, ha, you lost your faith. He breaks the cross and then, like, pulls him up to him. And, like, Callahan is, like, trying to get away and then, like, finally has to taste his blood. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. That part's kind of hokey to me, but whatever. Um <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting because, and like, again, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I think there is a part of, um, there's like a kind of a yin yang thing that's happening with Roland and Callahan in terms of being parts of Stephen King, uh, a reflection of Stephen King, uh, that basically Roland is an instrument of faith. Like it's not in the sort of Christian sense, but like 
he has absolute and total unwavering faith in that his in his quest to reach the tower and one of um Callahan's like greatest weakening weaknesses or failings is his lack of faith and that is where he gets into trouble is by having that lack of faith i think is an interesting kind of parallel right um that there's a, a kind of an object lesson in Callahan's story which is why he's sharing the story to Roland and sort of the cost of loss of faith yeah um i never really thought of Roland is a spiritual crusader, but like, no, no, no. like I, that's what I'm saying. It's not like a, it's not faith in that. Like he absolutely believes with un, in an unwavering way that he is going to reach the tower, that he must reach the tower. Like he doesn't do a ton of introspection about that. Like he, he is driven by that. It's, he, it's a kind of faith that is not necessarily spiritual. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. the faith in getting to the tower. So, like, believing yeah, in something yeah. in general is yes, the like, driving core of your being. The definition of the word versus the, like, necessarily the religious aspect of it. But his level of, even though it's a secular faith, is almost spiritual in terms of its, like, devoutness. Well, I mean, I, I guess to your point and a little bit uh, off to the side is that, like, Gunslingers as a whole is sort of a religious-esque yeah, sect. That because, is true. you know. Even if uh, their brand of religion is, uh, you know, justice, like what is justice but the requirement for somebody to be good and like what is religion at its core but hopefully the like pushing of what is believed to be a good thing on all people so that they do the right thing and don't mess around. Right. I mean, also religion is ritual, it's (coughs) belief, it's like, you know, and I think that even if it's not related specifically to a deity, you could argue that there are like spiritual figures. I kind of always like the description of religion is like, if you boil it down, it really comes down to, here's a book that says, don't be an asshole. <laughs> also <laughs> believe in something that doesn't that. exist. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> would argue that that's definitely more in the like church and like temple of Satanism. Like that is now their vibe. more. <laughs> But <laughs> we won't even get into that right now. <laughs> this is not the week to have those kinds of conversations. Right, yeah. I'll just, I'll just dodge those. Yeah, so, doop, doop, back to Bitworld. <laughs> I don't see any stars on this uh, um, blood drinking business. You got anything to add? Um, I mean, I do think that there's something interesting about him becoming unclean. It's almost, I didn't put this down, but it's almost like he has like a blood baptism that takes place here because he like gets the blood all over his face. There's, you know, and then he is, instead of being washed, his sins washed away, like his sins are washed on him by this. I mean, there's some kind of like baptism symbolism there, but that's that's kind of the only thing I got from that. There's a moment, too, where like Callahan reflecting on his own like alcoholism is basically like. And at that moment, I was like, man, I could use a drink. And (laughs) then I I got my wish. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that that is interesting, right? Like. Um, he's about to be tainted by this vampire who has this like unnatural, un, 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 uninsatiable, no, insatiable, insatiable thirst for blood. Um, and that he has kind of his own, his own sort of insatiable thirst for something. I guess it goes back to this metaphor that he had about alcoholism being a vamp- vampirism of his own kind. Fair. Yeah. And so uh, once he's infected, basically, uh, Callahan realizes that like the world is different 
Um, he also is rejected literally by the church. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he walks up to to try and go into the church, and like the door handle zaps him away, and like that basically <laughs> tells him that he's not going to be welcome in the church anymore no, because no, no. he has forsaken his his god and like is now tainted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think this is about where we deviate from salem slot because the church thing did happen in the book according to the wikipedia entry that i read before the show (laughs) (laughs) listen i tried it's been a really rough week (laughs) yeah it's uh so this one like i guess i'm not sure how new vampires are made in that context and so I always thought like the traditional method was like forcing them to, you know, drink the master vampire's blood in order to like convert them. So this particular take seemed a little different and I don't know if weird to me, but like just like not the normal vampire thing. So uh, definitely something to check me on as my vampire lore is not the best. Um, Yeah. So then we also find out that like, the boy does escape and gets away. So that's a, a good thing, I guess. Um, and the vampire, uh, does he get away? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, the vampire is killed by the, I don't remember okay. exactly how it happens, but he is killed by the, the you know, our heroes in the book. Yes. Sorry. Spoilers for Salem's lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, spoiler zone. The vampire is killed. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. So then, like, we kind of get this, like, flash forward to um, Callahan, like, wandering down the street, and he gets to this place where there's, like, a lady he recognizes, and she doesn't want him near him, because I guess now that he's tainted, she can feel it. So she makes him stay outside as he waits for the uh, Greyhound bus to hop on. And then we get this kind of, like, weird interaction, but also, like, regular interaction for, like, uh, you know, a down-and-out uh, alcoholic on a Greyhound bus where he's like trying to convince the driver to go get him a bit of booze from the, the thing. And there's a term used here. And I wanted to ask you about this because I'm not familiar with it. What do they mean when they say cutting up? So I think cutting up is like goofing off. Like, but I think in this case, like don't act out. Like if you're going to get super drunk, don't act stupid. Don't be like causing a scene on my bus is the way I took it. Cause like cutting up is usually like joking around, making jokes, making people laugh. That's cutting up. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my interpretation of it is like, just don't act like a drunken fool on my bus. Okay. And I wanted to make sure, cause I, I really wasn't sure what cutting up was like, I was guessing, but I, I didn't even put the like joking portion to it. I thought it maybe was like a seventies term that I just didn't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, I think Stephen me. King is like playing with some slang a little bit. You know how he likes to do. Yeah, fair. Uh, so, like the the fun exchange with the driver is like finally, Colin gives him like uh, a larger chunk of money. I think it's like thirty thirty bucks. And the guy is like, okay, fine. And he like goes in and brings him back a bottle of what would be like two dollar booze mm-hmm. that Colin is very familiar with because it's cheap and like. He drinks the bottle, like gets wasted, but quietly sits on the on the bus and doesn't cause a problem and like drunkenly fumbles out with the rest of the passengers. And then we get this scene like 
and that's why I, I had a few Back to the Future references floating around in my head is because he's like, well, I saw some people with newspapers on them sleeping on a bench, so I decided that was the way I was going to do it too. And like, mm-hmm. um, it, it kind of reminded me of that moment when the car comes back uh, from the future, and that guy's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" and like blows all the newspapers off of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of picturing Callahan as that. Um, he gets his basically gets his uh wallet stolen. Um, kind of puts him in a bad way, and yeah, uh, you, you just kind of find out that like he is not in a good spot now that he's made it to New York, walking through places where like prostitutes will give you a blowjob for like ten dollars and like uh you know crime is rampant and the drug dealers like are are hanging out and about um so it's just just a real dark new york 70s feel that we're getting or or 80s feel i guess i don't know um Rachel, you got three stars on this, though. So what did I miss? Yeah. uh, So I would say it's interesting to see. There's a couple of things. Well, first of all, I want to go back to when he's on the bus and he's looking around at all of the people. And there's kind of this interesting thing. You know, like we see how the world, how having contact with his blood has really corrupted him. And it's reflected in the way that he sees the world. When he sees people, he thinks they look undead. But he also senses something called the hidden highways. And it's unclear at this point. Is that a metaphor? Is it something more? I think it's something to keep our eye on. Perhaps we will revisit. We'll see. We'll see. Um, But also, he falls apart so quickly. He falls. It's shocking how quickly this happens. You know, presumably it's a couple of days at the most after he's left Salem's lot and he is now sleeping on park benches. He is completely given into his addiction. He's emulating unhomed people. It happened very, very quickly. Um. So then we kind of cut away from this story for a minute. And like, I haven't been super nuanced in his description, but some of the stuff that he describes strikes home with Eddie. And you, yes. you, you forgot for a minute that like, Eddie was like sitting in his underwear, watching cartoons and doing heroin and like, almost living on the streets in a bad way with his brother and like um and and things were pretty dire so when Colin is telling the story like initially Eddie's thought was like I want to get in and see the black 13 but when the story comes out it resonates with Eddie so much that he's like no man you you take your time you tell your story for as long as you need to to explain uh, what you got going on. And, like, you can tell that, like, there's not a maybe a bond, but, like, a recognition of understanding between Eddie and Callahan, like, about the past and, like, what they've both gone through and, like, how it, while completely different in, in the addiction type, it's the same story uh, with a, you know, a different key. <laughs> Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I thought that was pretty interesting. But after Eddie has that moment, they can call and gets back into his story. He's like kind of revived by this sort of allowance to just continue to, to talk about what happened. And, and call him like basically is like, yeah, you know, you remember the Hitler bro- brothers, like the first newspaper I grabbed, I put it on my face and that was the headline. He's like, and they would have got me too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh apparently um they were this group and like uh roland like asks about the symbol and this is where i 
think it's a reveal question mark did we know that there was a a swastika on the crashed plane um when they were entering the city of Lud? because i don't know that we actually got that far i thought we knew that it was like technology that wasn't in the right place and that these guys had been maybe possibly trading through uh you know some kind of like walkway between worlds sort of thing but like it was more implicit than actually spelled out and this moment like kind of makes you feel like maybe the city of lud was like in cahoots with the nazis question mark well i mean i think i don't know that the city of love blood was in cahoots with the nazis i think it's more that plane from world war ii made it through, like somehow ended up here you know oh, what okay. i mean that it crashed here and then or something like that i'm gonna well, keep going I, in the background i'm gonna i'm gonna see if i can find anything about it i have the the ebook so i'm gonna do a little keyword search so before we dive into the uh, Hitler brothers, the, the other thing of note here is that um, that he's seeing colors, but the only color seen is red. What's was that? Really? I said that's quite a sentence. Yes, <laughs> but yes, red, correct. Yeah, so that kind of points back to what you were saying about like the taint of Barlow's blood on him is kind of like left him seeing the world in a different manner. And this will become more prevalent as, like, we move forward. But uh, basically, like, on top of his regular malaise of of being uh, an alcoholic, he's also under the malaise of this, like, tainted blood causing the world to be completely different to him, alien, almost like he's adjacent to it, running in parallel with it, but not actually touching it or coming in contact with it as a real thing. And... The reason I bring that up is because that kind of um, shadows the same feeling we got from the gang when they went to New York to go see the Rose, where they're like sort of there, but sort of not. And I don't know if they're the same thing, but it's interesting to see that separation and then also to change the view of the world. And that view of the world was also reflected in the fact that like, you know, <laughs> Roland and the guys could see dead people when they when they were doing that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and in this case, he can see, you know, the color red, which, you know, what does that indicate? I don't know. But like it seems like a very specific only one tone is available and the rest of the world is black and white. So uh, keep that in the back of your mind. Um, basically, a- after these guys jump in on him, they try to carve into his head. And like, I th- think they had the idea of killing him as well. He managed to escape, and we only get like a little picture frame window of this, but that's how he gets his scar on his head. And these guys were known for carving swastikas basically into people's heads. Um, it's around New York for this time period, uh, to the point where like Eddie remembers him in the newspaper as being like um, the crazy brothers or whatever. I uh, have a feeling we have not heard the last of the Hitler brothers based on what he says. He, you know, I think we're going to circle back to them. Yeah. So you just get that little like peppering of them. Um, and then like you realize that like now his wallet's gone. He doesn't really have anything. He's got newspapers to stay warm. So he wants to go find like a day labor place. And if you're not familiar with day labor places, um, there's places in every city that a lot of times they'll have names like work a while or like man force or uh you know <laughs> wh- whatever weird name they give them they're always like something sort of like 
future past sounding <laughs> and then and like, they all sound like gay bars but yes okay yes, continue yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so, so these are places where when you show up um they basically have folks that are looking for like general labor to i don't know move rocks or like lift heavy things unpack stuff um do menial tasks and what generally happens with these places is like they will say they'll show up at the place in the morning and be like i need seven people for this thing and like the wage is already negotiated they pick seven people that are waiting in line uh at this will call work i i suppose would be the case and when they call you then you go out and do the task and and come back the next day for another round um it's also a way for the employers to test you out so if you're a convict or have any kind of record they can uh have you work for them for a while but like you're not technically working for them you're working through another company so they can fire you at will or they can like take you on if they want um and and it kind of becomes this uh labor cycle where he's like working a few days doing this thing working a few more days like drinking a bunch Mm -hmm. and then like recovering for a few days and then working a few days and it's sort of like a, a a vicious cycle for a while to the point where like someone wants to employ him and he's like nah you're gonna mess up my my thing <laughs> which <laughs> which is like kind of a, a a weird but also like interesting thing to to think about is that he would prefer to not have a stable job where someone knows him and just continue in this rut of like drinking and working and drinking and working um and and so yeah um we also realized that like i mentioned the red stuff well finally we also find out that like he sees a blue glow around um these tier two vampires and this is a interesting thing because the blood has allowed him to see these folks but not necessarily for them to recognize him um which puts him in sort of or sort of a voyeur state and like turns out these like tier two vampires are just like meandering all over new york mm-hmm. you know just doing their thing and uh i think um stop me if i jump if this is jumping further ahead because i don't remember now um eddie stops him and asks him if like a vampire biting someone can you know pass aids on and like there's this moment where uh Callahan is like, well, yes. <laughs> and, and he's like, uh, and, and like Eddie uses this, um, I think he, he just says like the, the gaze <laughs> and, you know, like, and the, uh, the moment Callahan hears that, he's like, they're still using that stupid term for, for mm-hmm. people. Like, it's like, yep. You know, and like Eddie's like in my time, uh, you know, um, I forget the statement, but it's like, it's like very 1980s thing to say. Um, he's mm-hmm. like they they called gay people something, and then they and something else and something, and like and Susanna's like, "What? Hey, mm-hmm. Eddie, mm-hmm. don't say those sorts of things." And and I thought that was kind of interesting because also yeah. like Barlow, I mean not Barlow, um, uh, Callahan, like as a couple times in this, like as a weird aside that no one asked for, is like you know the church and gay people <laughs> and then like just mm-hmm. continued on forward again and you're like well that was strange like, right uh you know it, it has a purpose we get there but 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because that that King is kind of exploring this way that language changes because of his characters coming from different time periods. It's kind of a fun little, it's a little fun linguistic thing that he kind of explores here. Um, Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say is like, I already, um, I jumped the gun early and explained how the tier one, tier two, and tier three vampires work. That really actually doesn't happen until now. That's <laughs> okay. It's but all like, in this chapter. It's a little bit easier to tell the vampire tale in like a uh, chronological order as opposed to like the mm-hmm. back and forth. So I just tried to spit it all out at the same it's time. It's all good. It's all good. So long story short, uh, he's doing this day labor thing for a while until he discovers this place called home. Home is this like sort of, I don't know if ingenious is the right term, but like a unique way of handling um folks that are trying to either recover or like in between recovery or just not recovering at all but need shelter from you know the elements and what have you and we we kind of get uh, this picture painted of the shelters in the area some of them like force you to learn um you know bible verses or whatever some of them don't want you to have any booze at all and they clean you up before you come in some of them will uh let you come in drunk but they'll confiscate your booze and stick you in a lockup room so that if you cut up you don't affect or bother any of the other people um but holmes approach is a little bit different Uh, they'll uh, occasionally like uh, help someone out with some booze and some uh, um, prescription medication that they probably shouldn't be giving anybody uh, (laughs) together to like sort of ease people through the, the shakes and whatever else is associated with like that level of, of alcohol abuse. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the, that policy like is unique in that, like they also sort of pull from the group as to calling workers and so on. So we get introduced to, to Lupe, who's like a, a guy that um, used to be uh, an alcoholic and is like now recovering and like kind of r- helps to run this place. And when Colin gets there, he starts off as like kind of back and forth for a while. Like some days he's the guy who's serving the soup. Some days he's the guy who's receiving the soup. And when when uh, he's been there for a little while, they kind of like, you're like, okay, this guy's a hard worker. Let's, let's see if he wants to be part of this. And so they bring him in, they ask him a few questions, you know, are you running from the law? Well, no. Are you, you know, in some kind of trouble? No. <laughs> he like kind of lies about his alcoholism, but that seems like everybody already knows secretly and doesn't care. Um, and then like, they're like, okay, uh, um, you can come work for us. And like, one of the things in the questionnaire was basically a question about like, um, what are you, you know, what's, what's going on? And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm running from myself, you know, like, mm-hmm. which, you know, in kind of a roundabout way. Yeah. Like he's been moving his whole life from church to church, but never fixing the underlying problem that is causing his malaise. And it's like led to a further downward spiral till. He went from like having a house and having stuff to greyhounding it to New York and like living yeah. in this like uh you know night to night type of place. Um the the home policy is is uh conducive to a lot of people and less uh, uh forceful and I mean it's essentially harm reduction is what they're yes, doing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like I, I'm guessing that harm reduction was not really a thing. Like everything was very much about like recovery being and the AA style, which is great for some people, not for everybody. 
some people just need harm reduction and that's why i i weirdly like there's some it's funny that we're going into this stuff about yes it's like a very modern kind of like response to addiction things like that um and it's funny when it's like kind of juxtaposed against this conversation about the changing languages like in some way king's very antiquated in the way that he's talking about like queerness but then he also talks about addiction and again i think it comes from this place of it being a personal like something that's personal to him he probably has you know explored harm reduction or whatever the case may be but it's it, it is kind of a, a more although i guess this is not written in the 70s so harm reduction was definitely a thing yeah so basically what ends up happening is like these blue uh bluish vampires that he's seen around he he first um like finds out that he's kind of good at at doing the books and the other guys aren't so he's been like helping him with that and then helping him cook there's no shortage of pots and pans to cook food and like he's kind of come to really um enjoy the company of lupe and like this guy is sort of like his friend slash like uh intimate friend i don't i i mean like he really loves him i think but like it's like not letting himself have that level of passion for this guy who he admittedly says is beautiful. Um, um, okay. Yeah. So he, he sees the, the evidence of having him, uh, having been bit. And like, we have this, um, moment where, and I mentioned it earlier and I probably should have saved it till now is, you know, uh, well, is HIV spread that way? It's like, yep. Yep. And, and like, yeah, so like these vampires aren't affected by it, but they can apparently like help to propagate, you know, AIDS and HIV through the entire community. And when we find out more about these second tier vampires, like it'll it'll make a little more sense, but they seem like almost the uh the plague rats of oh, lower geez. tier oh, New York, geez. right? Oh jeez. Let's let's not use that phrase around HIV. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's a very stigmatizing phrase. Um I mean it's interesting that, that King included this, that they would spread HIV. I don't know that I love that, to be honest. I feel yeah. like it's it's a little stigmatizing. So the other thing to note is when he sees these uh vampires um they he also hears the 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 chimes yes and like sees other things and the gang basically immediately recognizes this is like a foe or like toja todash adjacent uh-huh. level of connection to other worlds mm-hmm. and like this is callahan speaking from another world so like Obviously, yeah. there's something to that something. Yeah, we still don't know how he got here, so <laughs> that's interesting. I think we're starting to figure it out. Uh, basically, we also get some foreshadowing from him that it's like, and this led me to kill my first vampire. Dun, mm-hmm. dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And like, uh, yeah. So um, uh, it kind of gives you the feel that like, uh uh callahan will be like you know uh priest vampire hunter yeah which i mean is a spinoff that i'm like ready for to be honest i almost was waiting for like uh what is it cemetery man where the priest jumps in he's like i kick ass for the lord oh that's uh dead alive alive. i kick arse for the lord (laughs) such a great movie (laughs) yeah there's okay so again i know we talk about this a lot thematically this is about 
very much about coincidences is the big thing, right? This whole like going 19 or 19, what is it? 99. All of those things are different interpretations of like whatever coincidences come up. Right. Mm -hmm. And we get another one here where we find out that Lupe, this love of this great love of Callahan's last name is of course Delgado. And it's this other sort of link Again, that I talk about where he and Roland are both kind of parts of Stephen King, whereas like Steve, you know, Roland is maybe the better parts, the like the prouder, more stubborn, more strong parts. And and Callahan is kind of representative of, of, of addiction and weakness and um, a, a, the guilt and need for atonement that King may have experienced through his addiction. I mean, I could be projecting like crazy, but listen, that's what we do here. Okay. We interpret, we can be wrong. It's okay. Um, so it's interesting that he, again, this parallel between them, like the two great loves of their lives are both Delgados. Um, but this leads Callahan to be like, you guys do not seem surprised by these coincidences. Like, why is this not surprising to you? And uh, I pulled this quote because I just think it's cool. Coincidence has been canceled, honey, Susanna said. We're living in these days. What we're living in these days is more like the Charles Dickinson version of reality. So I think that's interesting because the way that she describes or the way that she communicates what these feelings of 19 are is almost she uses another author, another storyteller to kind of communicate what's happening. Um, that it that these coincidences feel like something out of a Dickensian novel. It's not the first time that I think that they've even referenced Dickens. Um, but yeah, uh, I just think it's an interesting kind of theme. It fits into both of our themes of storytelling and coincidence. Also, really quickly, I did find that part in the wasteland, and there was indeed a swastika on the plane. Okay, good. So, I couldn't remember that for sure, so thank you yep. for looking that up. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and then there's this kind of moment where Eddie has a, a thought where he worries when Callahan has kind of a grimace on his face that he might be seeing some sort of glow or smelling the onions and rot uh, when he looks at Suzanne and Napoleon. Mm. Not good. Not good. All right. Any thoughts on this chapter? What do you What did you think? Um, you know, this kind of like leaves you just wanting to finish the whole chapter. Yeah. Um, and I did the best to get all the subtle nuances here. You but did good. There's a lot of stuff in here. So yeah. Um, especially if you haven't read uh, Salem's Lot, then like maybe go check that out again for you go through this it probably make you make you much more inclined to understand this backstory than i currently have in my ah, just wiki it like your favorite podcaster rachel <laughs> hey man i know i know when i'm in my zone and this is a little bit out of my zone so yeah fair fair you warning did just fine uh this one for me was not my favorite chapter i do think that callahan is a compelling character um but I think because it is a rehash of a story we know, maybe. I mean, I think if you're like a Super Salem Lot stand, probably this is a lot of fun because it's like the ultimate Easter egg. Um, but it, it did feel a little rehashy for me. It felt a little a little long. I did love the reveal that Father Callahan is um, 
hetero flexible. He's bi, I would say. He's probably bi or pan, or you know, it could be a situation like Elvira where he's straight his whole life and then one person comes along and they're that person sexual. Um, that's certainly a thing that can happen. Um, but yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. I don't love the HIV stuff, not because I don't think that that in terms of the timing of when this is happening, obviously that's really relevant. Um, but I also feel like it's very stigmatizing that like these unclean creatures would be like you said, acting like plague rats, I think is, it's not my favorite. It's a little problematic. I Sorry, don't I don't know. No, no, no. I, I'm not I, very good with the, like, what that, uh, I don't know what the history is on that other than, like, the old plague time, I, I guess. So, totally. Sorry. No, no, no. Not you. I'm talking about King. You're, like, I think you're, you were picking up what he was putting down. And my issue is what he wrote, not what you picked up. Um, But, so I feel kind of, eh, about this section. But, I do like Callahan. I am curious to see where it goes. I am like Eddie ready to get into that church and see uh, black 13 though. So, yep. Well, yep. Those are my thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you who are playing along next episode, we are going to finish this chapter. We're going to hear the rest of Callahan's story with sections 10. Yeah. 10 and 11. I know it's just two sections, but it's, the equivalent amount of pages and time if you're listening to audiobook or reading the book so just it'll be we're gonna have to figure out how to break it up for discussion but that's a problem for the next episode all right stephen king universe connections uh i think we know what they are <laughs> they are like the entire book of salem's lot in this section so i don't think we need to go through this beat by beat um no new dark tower news um but we do have a listener feedback slash facebook question which is a fun little game that sorry dj i thought i had sent this to you but maybe i didn't i don't know um we i asked the listeners okay so obviously the drawing of the three we all love that book and it's about roland kind of going and pulling his quartet out of the space-time continuum so i thought it would be fun to just as a thought experiment draw an entirely new quartet my first thing was I was going to say out of King characters, but then I was like, DJ will kill me. <laughs> so I broadened the options. I broadened the options. Anyone, any fictional character. Uh, so that can be movies, books, Stephen King books, cartoons. Um, uh, I think I named all the things. Movies, TV shows, cartoons. Yeah, whatever. All those things. Video games. There we go. There's another one. Uh, and you, we want to recast Roland, Eddie, Susanna, Jake, and Oi. So just the core quartet. You don't got to worry about all the other scallywags that are trying to tag along. Uh, would you like to me to go start with the listener answers? Or oh no, we... I got one. Like, oh, you as got soon it. As you said it. I don't know why this is what I went to, but I was just immediately oh. like, man, wouldn't it be funny if it was Scooby Doo? Oh, you think that's amazing? You just like straight lift and yeah, skip you. As soon as you said it, I was like, uh, you know, this is gonna be nope, nope. It's not hard at all. I, <laughs> I don't know, Shaggy. Like, what do you like? So, but who gets the boot? Like, who of Scooby Doo? Oh, obviously, you kick Fred out. <laughs> wow, is, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I whatever you want is funny. I just didn't think that was the, you know, I wasn't sure which way you go. So no, Fred right, so adds like almost zero to the <laughs> quartet because like, I mean, I mean, what he drives, I guess. 
Well, he's good with traps. He's cool. very into traps. Cool. I, you know, no. As as a character throughout the Scooby Doo universe, he's always been a, uh, a you know like a thin preppy guy that's like associated with these people, but like kind of an outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the actual thinker, you have the goofball, and you have the middle person. You don't need him as a, as an, a secondary aside. And then you know you have the lovable dog that works perfectly as an oi representation. And like, imagine if you like kept the style, the character um, response, but like just put him into Stephen King universes gunslingers. It'd be great. <laughs> oh my God. Did you ever watch the Scooby-Doo version? Um, oh, what was it? The There's so many versions. What was Randy? What's the Scooby, the Scooby-Doo version we love so much? Mystery Incorporated. Do you ever watch Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated? Uh, is that the... I think so. Is that the one on Netflix from like 2012 or 14? Probably. It's the one that gets into like weird ancient alien theorists. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, I haven't seen all of those, but that's oh, the, like... Oh my God. Fred you have to. Specifically in that one is that's where like your trap thing came from. Yes! Like, other ones like he wasn't <laughs> necessarily a trap guy. He was just a guy that was there... And like in that one specifically, he's like, no, I do traps. I do traps. I'm a trap guy. I do traps. <laughs> you need to finish it because something happens towards the in the final season that is so we find out why Scooby Doo talks. I'll just say that. What? Yes. DJ, you must stay the course. It is mm. so amazing. It's one of my favorite like things ever. You have to listen. Okay. Anyway, enough of me being a dork. So I I took a slightly different twist on this. I decided I wanted to do an almost all female quartet. Okay. So to replace Roland, I picked Ellen Ripley, my my basically my patron saint. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows my obsession with Ellen Ripley knows no bounds. So she would be my new I my new gunslinger. And but instead, obviously, of his like, you know, pistols. She would have the flamethrower. <laughs> okay. For my Eddie, you need somebody who's sarcastic and funny, but also kind of a badass. So I went with Veronica Mars, who is known. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but she. Yeah, yeah I know who Veronica Mars is. Excellent. All right. For Susanna, I need like kind of a warrioress. I went with Michonne from The Walking Dead. Ooh. For Jake, I wanted like a sassy kid who's kind of a badass, but also has an adventurous spirit. So I went with Lyra Bellacqua from um from the Golden Compass. Did you ever read those books? Yeah. Um I'm trying to remember who she is in the She's Golden the Compass. main little girl in the first book. Oh, okay. She's your main character. My backup for her would be a so like young Ahsoka from the Clone Wars would be my backup. But I think Lyra's my my topic. And then finally, for the Oi replacement, this is my one boy in the group because I adore him and he would be such a cute companion. It's Gromit. Gromit? Wait. From Wallace and Gromit. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, let's get into our listener question. I wouldn't have thought to mix like a claymation guy with like... But you can, that's the thing. You can do it all. I have animated characters. I have real characters. It's great. It's good. Okay. So let's go to the listeners. Let's see what they came up with. 
All right, Tim. So we only got two answers for this one. So Tim says, assuming we can draw our quartet from anywhere, you assumed correctly, sir. That is correct. A uh, reprogrammed Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) The question is, which one? Is it Arnold from T2 or is it uh, the girl from... Uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Is it the girl from ter- the newest Terminator? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, reprogrammed Terminator. Gandalf. Wow. This is These are heavy that, hitters. It's a large swing in direction and, and tone. It, it's going to stay weird. <laughs> Let me assure you. It's about to get weirder. Eleven from Stranger Things. I'm guessing as the Jake character. Okay. Maybe I think this next one is Susanna, which is Seven of nine. Oh, uh, from Star, Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, although I guess arguably she's also a Terminator because she's also like a reformed uh, <laughs> cyborg. Robot person. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. Squirrel Girl and her squirrel army. <laughs> Tim is really swinging for the fences. And then finally, I guess in the oi spot is Ron Swanson. Like the the fictional newscaster from like No, Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that is a wild content, and I would absolutely love to read the version of Dark Tower that involves these. This pack of frickin' this motley crew of weirdos. I feel like I need that one with like a little bit of commentary. (laughs) Yeah. I wanna Uh, know like what was the reasoning for, you know. I'm responding. Hey Tim. I just read this to DJ on the show. He wants more contest. (laughs) (laughs) Please elaborate. I appre- I like I seriously applaud the creativity. I mean uh, it's it's good. It's just uh definitely like don't like I when I hear those names, like are you just throwing weird stuff at me to throw weird stuff at me, or did you like have some sort of like you think unifying he's trolling? <laughs> yeah, because you know, if you could it's like if someone just said three random things and they're you're like, you didn't think about this at all, did you? And, you, and then they're like no, and they explain some link between them that's like, you know, Kevin Bacon separation type of thing. You're like, oh. okay, that's really cool. But like, if it just falls flat and they're like, no, nah, I just picked You need his up. grand unified theory of Cotet. Got yeah, it. Exactly. All right, Tim, I've messaged you on Facebook and I'm messaging you here on the show. We require elaboration. Okay. Last one comes from John, um, who I've been saying his name wrong, which I'm bummed about. Uh, he corrected me. Thank you very much for that, sir. All right, so he said, hey there, Podslingers. This is a great question. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) I was thinking about it on my way home from work. I chose to stick with Stephen King characters for the replacement of the original Cotet. I haven't read this yet, so this should be interesting. (laughs) Here's the the game within a game is how many of these characters will DJ know who they are? Whoa, what? (laughs) Because they're Stephen King characters. All right, all right. Roland, I have to go with um bill hodges from the mr mercedes trilogy oh don't know that (laughs) (laughs) okay so one up and one down (laughs) okay so he said i just finished reading the first book and the way he's obsessed with finding the killer reminds me of roland's obsession with finding the dark tower 
Uh, I think this is a great selection. I love Bill Hodges. He has a, a gruffness and a world weariness that I think uh, would work. Uh, he also has like kind of a soft heart underneath that. And he's like a kind of a broken, like bird with a broken wing. Yeah, I think this is a really good selection. This is a good one. All right. I would replace Eddie with Parkus slash Speedy Parker from the Talisman and Black House. Ooh, I like him. Yeah, right. He says uh, Speedy was a wise old, wise old sage in the Talisman and Parkus was his gunslinging twinner in Black House. Which you have not read Black House yet, right? Uh, is that the second book? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, a lot of gunslinger references in the end. Mm-hmm. In there. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. one like I did. I knew about the first book, and then I think one day you just randomly were like, "Oh yeah, have you ever read Black House in the second part?" And I was like, "Oh wait, what?" <laughs> and then, like, in a week, I was just like, "Done. Give me the next one." <laughs> I know. I wish we could get more. I mean, we're gonna get the Talisman series, but. We'll have to wait for that. I'll talk about that in the extended. Okay. All right. And then Susanna uh, would be replaced with the adult Jack Sawyer from Black House. He was a cop and a gunslinger in his own right. All right. This is quite the sausage fest here. We're having. <laughs> <laughs> See if it continues. Okay. Uh, Jake would be replaced with either the kid version of adult or kid version or adult Danny Torrance in The Shining or Dr. Sleep. For being very powerful with the shine slash touch. That sounds cool. Yeah. I like that I'm getting explanations with these two, so thank you. I know. I know. He's he's like doing he's doing uh doing, doing the work. He someone understood the assignment, and part of the assignment was tells DJ who the hell these people are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last but not least. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. So that brings us to Oi. And if I can't have him along, this one's for you, Rachel. <laughs> Someone understands. See, now he understands this part of the assignment, which is uh, do something for Rachel. Uh, then it will have to be Wolf from the Talisman. <laughs> That's an excellent one. He also is sweet and loyal and fierce and like, yeah. I could see, I could see Wolf in it. Oh, I love Wolf so much. Every time I think about Wolf, it's like a bittersweet memory. Okay, so that is our answers from the listeners. We hope you enjoyed that. It was so much fun. That just leaves us with what we're going to be asking on the next show. So, I think what I'm going to, I do not have a question yet. I've been kind of noodling around trying to think of what we should ask, and. Obviously, vampires are a big theme in this. Um, so I don't know. Is there a good vampire-related question we could ask listeners, Deej? Uh, vampire-related question. Uh, yeah. Probably. So when I was talking about um, the movie uh, Ultraviolet, I think it's Ultraviolet. Mm-hmm. Is that the, it's the, the plot of the movie is, and maybe it's not Ultraviolet. I think that's actually an action movie. Uh, is that like the whole human race becomes vampire-infected? And is like searching for a cure. And oh, is that and, the one with Ethan Hawke? Yeah, it's got Ethan Hawke in it. Daybreakers, like, Daybreakers. Daybreakers. Yeah, yeah. That was such a great take in a unique way of looking at vampires that didn't just make me go like viral. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I guess the question I'd want to ask everybody is like, surprise me with some interesting take on vampires. Uh, we've cr- crossed out that one, and uh, uh, da- we've crossed out Daybreakers, and what's the... Necroscope? The necroscope. Those two are off off limits, because we already know about those, but what else you got? You know, 
uh, is there like an old timey book that was like the second vampire book ever written by like you know so and so's brother? <laughs> like, is it, is there just something real strange out there? Like, what what's what's the weirdest vampire stuff you know about? Like, are there yeah. cyber vampires out there? Like robot vampires that collect blood for money? Is that like a plot somewhere that I don't know about? Because that sounds cool. Um, and if yeah, I, so patent pending, please don't <laughs> steal that. That's mine now. <laughs> TM, TM. <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to know. Like, we both were kind of like vampires. Change our minds. Change our minds about vampires. Are they actually dope? Give us a recommendation that's going to change our mind. You know, can vampires. you go find the uh, the meme template for the guy sitting on a park or sitting outside of a, a college with like the <laughs> sign that says "Change my mind." Oh my god, I'm gonna make that the image. I always put a little image with the um with the questions when I put them on the Facebook and I'm going to make one and it's going to be you and I sitting behind a table. <laughs> Vampires like, hey. are lame. Change my mind. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, great. So that's our listener questioner for the next episode. And you can join the Facebook group and answer it there. Or you can drop us an email at uh, cast of at zombiegirls.com. And that's G R R L Z.com. Uh, if you have any feedback, any questions, any thoughts, whatever the case may be, you can always reach us in those two ways, or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ZG Podcasts Plural. Uh, got a lot of funny memes on there. Our Ariel from More Deadly and Zombie Girls kind of spearheads that, and it's a it's a great follow. Uh, I wouldn't be bragging on it if I was putting in the work, but because she did, I feel comfortable saying it's awesome, and you should definitely be following us there. <laughs> Uh, if you're a horror fan and you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, there's lots of really great horror films that came out recently. There's actually, it's more of a thriller, but I watched Watcher last week. It was so good. Everyone should watch it. Uh, but you can find out about that and all the other spooky doings that are happening on the various streaming services and video on demand at the Zombie Girls website at uh, our VOD and streaming calendars at zombiegirls.com. And uh, if you want some cool cast merch, you can get cool Casa Call merch. It is at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. Check that out. And if you love us and want to support us with a little key-ish money, you can do that by supporting our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls where you get extended episodes. You get to join our Discord. You get to have, uh, you get to experience the live shows, which is coming soon, DJ. I hope you're ready. Wait, what? Oh, oh, oh the 30th. I got it. That's on my yes. calendar. <laughs> July 30th is our next live show where you can, if you're a patron, you can watch it whenever, but you can also watch it live and interact with us while we record. Um, I always drink too much <laughs> and <laughs> always act a fool. So if you want to see that and uh, interact with that, don't recommend. I mean, yes, recommend. Um, you can do that by becoming a patron. All right. That is it for us. Where else, if people want more of you in their lives, can they find you on the internet, Deej? Um, Basically, I'm just on this podcast and then uh, on the, uh, what is it, the unnamed? What is it? Outpost what is it? Unknown. Outpost Unknown. <laughs> <laughs> which apparently is on YouTube somewhere. Um, you can go back and if you just want to go through my entire YouTube inventory, it, it goes all the way back to like 2004, 2005 uh, with all kinds of fun stuff to check out. I haven't been selling anything on Etsy lately because I've been working on bathrooms, um, but I'm about to get into uh, some busking amps for sale. So if you are a avid busker, keep an eye out for the uh, shit kicker busking amp. Which I Is it going to also be in vintage luggage? 
Uh, no. Th- well, actually, that would be even cooler. That um, would be freaking cool, man. TM, TM. I'm, uh, I'm working on uh, a busking amp that's battery powered to last for like 10 hours. And you can just carry it around and then like show up and, and play on the street and have a nice loud 120 watt amp to go along with it. Um, oh. So, yeah, it should be uh, should be real cool. I'll see. Um, I got like uh, four prototypes coming and uh, working on the the beautiful uh, shit kicker logo right now. <laughs> and if you guys come up with a better name for it, send it my way. Um, but that's it for me. So we've already done the work and we find you. Is this where I say, Rachel, take us out? No, because I get to say where you can find me on the internet. Oh, I thought you already said where you could what find a, you. Wow. Wow. See, wow, DJ. Oh, no. Wow. I, I thought you when you said zombie girls and wow. son of a gun. Wow. Sorry, I was sending you book recommendations while you were going through your spiel. <laughs> so th- this is completely my bad. Rachel, no. where can people find you? Thanks. Jeez. Okay, well, you can find me on the Zombie Girls podcast, the Stream Queens, Pascal, which is this show. Oops. Um, more deadly and untitled Nick K show. Our untitled Nick K show recording tomorrow is going to be on the uh, unbearable weight of massive talent, which is like pure serotonin movie. If you have not watched that, it is so good. So it's so like nice and funny and light and sweet. Um, great, definitely. I'm getting ahead of myself. Recommend. Anyways, that is coming up. I, uh, also, the day that this drops on not on Patreon, but for everybody else, because if you're a patron, you get a day early. Uh, myself and Ariel from More Deadly and Zombie Girls will be joining the fine folks over at Bloody Good Horror to review the film Mad God. So if you're a patron of them, you can watch us live. Uh, if not, you should definitely subscribe to them so that you can catch that episode when it drops a couple days later. What else? I'm trying to think if there's any other guest spots. I was recently on Trick or Treat Radio where we reviewed uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once and Hot Take. It's excellent. It's a great film. We had a lot of laughs. We talked about butt plugs a lot. <laughs> so if you want to hear me talk about butt plugs a lot, you should definitely check out Trick or Treat Radio. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I don't think anybody else has been guesting, but you should definitely check out our our YouTube channel, uh, Outpost Unknown, where we put out a weekly episode called IOU. There was not one this week, and there will not be now and next week because of the holiday, but the following week we will be back. There's also a lot of really great shows all across there. Not enough DJ, I will say. There should be more <laughs> DJ, it just in general, in life, and also on uh, Outpost Unknown. But you will get more DJ in your life if you subscribe or follow that channel. So check that out. Those are the places you can find me on the internet. That is enough for me today. DJ, take us out. Thanks for listening to another exciting episode of The Cast of Ka. Where we determined today that uh, if you glow blue, you're a good guy. And if you glow red, you're a bad guy. I, I don't know if we actually determined that, but I love I... that. <laughs> I think that's actually wrong. Never mind. Don't, don't write that down. Cross out the note. Uh, if, if you glow, that's probably a bad thing, period. Uh, so, so stay away from glowies. Good night. Hi, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. What? Yeah, just like some real, real humdingers. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
just like real oh straight my stuff. god you need that needs to be your outpost unknown channel is like dj's humdingers <laughs> oh my god i know how i want to start this extended episode although probably some of this is going in anyway okay okay yeah um all right hello everyone welcome to the extended episode dj Ooh. i want it you have become a bit of a um joke smith a dad joke smith specifically okay. i'm wondering if you might favor us with a dad joke to kick off this uh, extended episode um let me see uh, what's what's one that what's a uh, new one new one i don't have them all memorized so i like i'd have to can i run and get my, my yeah go get you, my go book. get your dad joke book <laughs> okay so listeners while he's doing this let me explain dj has a little side hustle i don't know if it's a paid side hustle or just a passion project but he is now the MC of a weekly bingo game. And during said weekly bingo game, he enjoys um, providing, entertaining the audience with the occasional, and by occasional I mean frequent, dad joke. We discovered this recently while recording an episode of I- IOU, I think. Yes. Um, which is on the Outpost Unknown uh, channel. Anyway. Uh, and he gave us some, and they were just as wonderfully terrible as you would have ever hoped and dreamed they would be, which is why I greedily want more, <laughs> and I'm treating you to them. So, DJ, you're back. I was just giving the listeners the backstory of how you're like Mr. Bingo now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I host Bingo on Sundays. Yeah. Um... <laughs> okay, that's the TLDR of what I just did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, you know, um, there was a, a congressman a couple months ago that brought up a bill that would um, basically convert us from pounds back to kilograms. Uh, but there was a lot of protests in Congress when he was going over the bill because it would probably cause mass confusion. <laughs> another, another thrillist again, thrillist again. You know, have you ever like watched The Little Mermaid? Uh huh. You know, you, you wonder why um, Ariel's always wearing seashells. <laughs> why? She grew out of her bee shells. Oh God! Oh my God! <laughs> okay, that one's my new favorite. That's a good one. <laughs> so stupid. Uh-huh.